Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Good, good, good. I'm thankful to have you here. I love you guys. I really am. I just like this morning just sitting down and um, just listening to the guys worship and, and how, how thankful I am for this place, this house, this people. You know, a lot of us not even here this morning, but, uh, but just thankful for all of them, thankful for this tribe and um, that can never be said enough. I, it's, it's incredible where Yahweh's allowed us to be, where he's graced us to be. And I, I said to the leaders this morning, and I'll just say it to you, is I've never been more convinced that we are right in the exact place we are meant to be. Just, it's so comforting to know that. There's not something we have to do, we have to try to make happen. He just has us exactly where he needs us to be. And I don't have any idea of what that's going to look like in the future, exactly where we're going, but I know that that's not even our call. Our call is not to have everything figured out or to see everything in the future, but just to be able to be rested and seated in peace in every single situation and circumstance. And I just feel that so much this morning in my own personal life, just that I'm exactly, we are exactly where we need to be. It's pretty cool. So anyways, I thank you for being exactly where you need to be and being here this morning. Little review. Last week we said this, a talking about the heart, because ultimately when it comes down to all of these things, the, the theology of the kingdom, the, the, what you believe about end times, where you believe we fall now, you know, your interpretation of the scripture, my interpretation of the scripture, at the end of all of this thing, there is not some pop quiz that we have to fill in the circle and make sure that we have all of our theology and everything matches up exactly right. Yahweh is constantly, throughout scripture, talking about the heart. He's looking at a man's heart the innermost being of who we are. And so many, so many people, like, we try to make it about something bigger because, we, because the, the simplicity of the kingdom is just so simple to us. <laughs> but if you'll lean into it, it gets so deep. But here's, here's what he was saying to me last week, is that, you know, a, a heart that's not completely whole is always looking for justice justifying their stance, justification in some kind of circumstance. And I mean our form of justice, not his form of justice. But a a completely whole heart is looking for one thing, presence. And like Jonathan said this morning, you know, that there's so many songs, there's so many messages, everything about presence, this, presence, that, and it becomes such a cliche term, but really what that terminology means is face-to-face. When the scripture talks about presence, it's talking about a face-to-face relationship, and in that term is so many things, right? Like that I'm setting the Lord before me, I'm looking into my Father's eyes. I'm seeing things the way that he sees them. 
It changes the perspective of everything, the landscape of our lives. If the one thing that we are focused on is the presence of Yahweh and the presence being completely enough because a completely not completed whole heart is always looking for this, but just a little bit more because it's not completely whole. There might be areas of wholeness. There might be things that we've experienced that Yahweh has come and healed and brought wholeness. And then there's areas of our life that just are not whole. And it takes trials. It takes situations. It takes storms that come to reveal these strongholds or hidden places within our heart. See, our justice, what we believe justice is, is right and wrong. It is, if, I, if, I am, if I'm right, then you are wrong. We both can't be right, and what I need, what justice looks like to me is whenever you are proven right publicly, and I am proven, or you're proven wrong, and I'm proven right, and everybody sees it, everybody knows it, and that is something that we look to try to pace certain areas of our heart, to get a little caulk and fill in some of those cracks because we're looking for our kind of justice. But the Bible, when it talks about justice, is never talking about our kind of justice. There's no right, there's no wrong. Yahweh's justice is not justifiable. You cannot reason his justice into, into anything. It doesn't make sense to us. His, his justice is whenever he wa- Yeshua washes the feet of his disciples, even the one that's going to betray him. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, yet he's down on one knee washing their feet. He that knew no sin became sin, that I through him might become the righteousness of God. That doesn't make sense. That's not fair. That's not reasonable. That he loved the world so much he gave his only son. That does not make sense. That's not reasonable. That the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That does not make sense. That's not reasonable. But this is what he literally calls in the Bible justice. To us, that might look more like grace or mercy. But Yahweh's always coming after that heart. The Bible says that blessed are the pure in heart because they're able to see God. And the, the, the pure does not mean righteous. It doesn't mean that we just do everything right. Purity in the Bible means clarity. So blessed are those that have a clear heart, for they're able to see his perspective. They're able to literally acknowledge him in all of our ways. They're able to see Yahweh. And we go through this place of of trials come. See, if you are able to acknowledge Yahweh in all of your ways, if you're able to have a completely whole heart where you're not seeking to get things justified and everything check off and look exactly how you think things should look and every situation be exactly how you think it should pan out, it pans out that way. If that's not what you're looking for, but you're genuinely just looking, His presence is on this situation then you're able to see him in every single situation and a trial stops looking like a trip up, a slip up and me messing up and starts to look more like Yahweh's goodness being revealed in my life. 
It was for the joy that was set before him that he was able to endure the cross. There was something that was already set before him that was so good and so promised and so true and so much of what he believed in, that is coming to pass. And because of that, I know I need to walk through all of these things to see that promise come to fulfillment. This is not the question. This process is. And see, we look for healing, and sometimes healing comes so good and so relieving and so, oh, thank God you got that away from me, that we stop there and we don't go for the full wholeness. Because his, his goal is never that we just have a healed heart. It's that we have a completely whole heart. What does that look like? Well, whenever you have a healed heart, that means something stopped. It means a situation stopped. It means the disease was canceled. It means those things were done. We use the analogy of the, or the story of the 10 lepers to, to, to depict this. And it's, there's 10 lepers that were healed along the way, but only one of them returned. And Yeshua said to him, go, it's your, because he was the one that came back to give thanksgiving to Yeshua. He said, go, it's your faith that made you not well, not healed, not better, but whole. So there was nine that got healed, but there was one that got wholeness. They were dealing with leprosy. Leprosy dismembered you. It took pieces of your body. Your arms would fall off. It was such a bad disease that COVID would look like a nice sunshine morning. But we're terrified. But this, there's, this, there's this thing, like just literally parts of your body falling off. People didn't want to be around you. You were considered dirty, filthy, disgusting, get away. You don't get near me. If you were revealed that you had it, people are trying to hide it. They'd be happy to wear a mask so you couldn't see all this stuff. They were seen as outcasts. And all of a sudden, all of that junk was stopped in a moment. And these guys are like, Yes, now I'm going to go about my life. But if there isn't a complete wholeness, if there isn't complete wholeness, then another trial will come. And when that trial does come, it will reveal the gap in your heart that was still there from the last time that you got healed but never got whole. And it requires us, what does he do? He comes back and he starts to rehearse what you did for me. That's why the Bible tells us, let me tell you what the will of Yahweh is for your life. I'm not talking about the ultimate will. I'm talking about the will of Yahweh for your life is that you rejoice always, that you pray continually, and in every single circumstance, be thankful. Those are not just words. Those are directions to a whole heart. You return back and you rehearse the word. You rehearse his faithfulness. It's not a good idea. It's vital for wholeness to your heart. See, the healing is the start What we think of as the finish line, he sees as the starting point. Holiness is a starting point to hunger and not a fast track to fruit. It doesn't mean because you've decided that I'm going to shut off Facebook, I'm going to shut off all these voices in my life, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing that because he called me to holiness, that we do that and the next week we we decide that all of a sudden we're going to have all of this fruit in our lives. Like, because we, we, just, we made the decision. I deleted this off my phone. I've stopped putting my eyes on this. I've stopped talking like this. I've stopped. I'm in holiness. I've set myself apart. Great. It is a, the reason for holiness is produ- production of hunger. If you're going to get healthy and you stop eating junk food and drinking Cokes and doing all this kind of stuff, there's still something that needs to fill you. And you're going to get hungry, and guess what's going to call to you? 
that which you left. Holiness is just that starting point. Healing is just a starting point. What he then wants to do is take us through a process called face-to-face, called relationship, called hand-to-hand, called walking with us all the way through the garden, walking with us in the cool of the day through a process that produces wholeness. And our role in that is to continually go back and rehearse his faithfulness in our lives. Little things. Little things. Leo turned four this week. In some people's world, that might seem as just a, that, that just, you know, that's what happens. They grow up. But what amazing opportunity for me to start to rehearse the uh, powerful things that Yahweh did throughout Leo's life, throughout our life. You see, Leo's life is really the time where we accepted this call. Leo's life is where we walked through these storms, these storm, and all of this stuff. Leo was right in there. Before Leo came, I was running, sprinting to a a statue of a lion and I had no idea why but Yahweh directed me at the end of every run I did to sprint to this lion on a playground and he was saying you're doing this for your son I had no idea the lion that was going to be produced I didn't know his name I didn't know his nature I didn't know anything but Yahweh did because before Leo was formed in Eva's womb Yahweh knew exactly who he was Same thing for all of us. And so there's this process that that requires us to rehearse. Otherwise, the trials come and we have this misconception, we have a misunderstanding of why trials come. See, trials trip up Christians more than anybody else. The reason I say Christians is not to belittle Christians because that's the revelation of, of what they're doing. I'm following Christ. I get it. But really, I, for me, I wanna make myself for me, not just say son, not just say, but I want to be a believer because of the revelation we have, which is Amon. I decided, I have decided that I trust in his word. I trust in his name. I trust in his nature. And because of that, I cannot be shaken. So if I have something set before me that I know is mine, then the trials, the tribulations, the storms, instead of looking like something that's trying to prove this thing wrong, starts to look like something that's actually proving it right because trials and tribulations come because of the word. So Yahweh said, you are going to be this. You, you, you are going to experience wholeness in this area of your life. Let's, let's put a name to it. Can flip through the trials book here. I think everybody could use a little more money. Everybody could do finance. We'll go finance today. Yahweh has promised you something about your financial situation. He said, this is what this wholeness in your financial situation looks like right here. I'm going to set that before you. In fact, I might even let you taste a little bit of that. I might let you feel a little bit of that. But it's not, it's not for any other reason except to give you this target, this setting before you, this promise. Now, Yeshua received beloved identity, 
And then he's led by Holy Spirit into the wilderness to show his strength. So he goes through temptation, but it's not about the temptation. It's not about him, you know, gritting it out and getting through it. It's that he already had a promise. He already knew who he was. So that spirit just was going to reveal to everybody else, reveal again to himself who he was and what he carries. So every single time the storm comes or the trial comes, instead of us going, man, I knew I shouldn't have bought that cheeseburger last week. That's why my finances are all messed up. Well, that might be true, but it's just a trial. It's just a thing to come reveal the gaps, the strongholds, the hidden things that aren't quite completely whole to equip you to carry what you're meant to carry because in his goodness, he's not going to give you that which you can't handle right now. I I heard Bill Johnson use this awesome analogy one time, and I might have shared this before. He's like the king of analogies. Like, that's why you hear me reference him, because if I'm looking for an analogy, I go, what would Bill Johnson say about it? This is it. But he talks about a big boulder being in your way. And when, you're, when you first initially go to push that boulder, nothing happens. It's impossible. But every time you push and there's resistance happening, what's taking place is there's ripping and tearing in your muscles and things are getting built up to equip you to one day be able to move the boulder. It's in his goodness that we come against some things. It's how we respond to those things that decide if we're ready to take the next step. If we're ready to, to step into this next glory. If not, in his goodness, he just has, has us hovering right here. And I'm telling you, the need for justice is always going to keep you out of that. It has in my own life. Every time I feel like I need to see some justice as I know it to be, it is just evidence that I have not come into a complete wholeness. I'm going to tell you something this, uh, this week that was just weird. It was just weird that that this this came back up and I mean weird I don't I don't know if that's necessarily the the terminology but but one of the things that Yahweh does for me when he's trying to show me something a lot of times you remember the story whenever we had the ark and the flood and all the stuff that took place and how he got me to get into the to reading this the story of of uh of Noah's ark was constantly, I kept seeing children's books that kept getting put on my desk because I had to work at the children's ministry desk that particular week because the internet wasn't getting to my office or whatever else because we hadn't called Jeremy yet. And that was the main reason I wasn't getting internet to my office. So I had to sit, (laughs) I had to sit at the children's ministry desk, but I kept getting like there'd be a poster or one of the kids like drawings or something. And it was all Noah's Ark. And he kept putting that before me. And I did not know why, but he just, it just kept coming up. And I was like, all right, fine. There's nothing that could be spoken about this, but I'm going to go ahead and look at it anyways. So I look at this thing. I start to read about it, get on a plane to go to Carolina Revival. And I get Damon in my ears. I'm listening to make sure I'm caught up. And the first thing he says is I just had a dream about Noah. And whenever I got there, it was 
probably six days before the storm. And as I'm leaving, because I have to leave early to catch a flight, and, and, and Damon's been talking about all this stuff, he stops me in the middle of the aisle, starts to prophesy over me in this area. And he said that the flood that will sink most people will actually elevate Yahweh's kingdom people. I don't know what that means, but thank you. I'm leaving. (laughs) Yahweh's preparing your heart. He's trying to convince you of his goodness before you ever face that trial. The word does not change because we come into a trial. That's not, and this is the thing, is that you're not, like, because we, the world has made us through its culture and its ways and all of the things that we get so fast, Yahweh is not in a hurry because we've compromised our patience, right? Like we, just because we are in a hurry does not mean Yahweh is not going to allow us to get into this fast track of of fruit. The principle stays the same, seed, time, and harvest. Seed, time, as much time, and as much time, and as much more time and more time that we need before you're ready and equipped for a harvest. So Yahweh gave me this this week. I I start getting another children's ministry thing hitting me in the face throughout this entire week. It just keeps popping up. Is this story of David and Goliath. And I'm not joking. When, When I felt Yahweh was trying to show me to go back and look at David and Goliath, I laughed. I was like, Yahweh, I can, I can just about quote this to you now. Not just because of like growing up, but literally because in this place, I've spoken so much about David and Goliath. Where are we going with this? We want to talk about the sword and the ephod. I'm all about that. I love it. Is that where we're going? Do you need me to? And he's like, he's like no, just go and read it. So this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it to you. I don't need to read it to you. I could just tell you the point, but it's fun. And I think that we should rehearse some of these things. Y'all ready for this in-depth, deep dive into a story you've never heard? David and Goliath. Let's do it. 1 Samuel. Let's see where we're going to start. Um, 17. 1 Samuel 17. Um, let's start, I'm going to start at 20. It's like in the very beginning, we might skim through some of this and get to some of the meat. Because literally what Yahweh said to me about this is so simple, but I think seeing the context will help. So verse 20, chapter 17, verse 20, New King James Version. Got it? So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse commanded him. Real quick, before I get in, I know I've only read one verse, if it's not even a full verse, but it doesn't matter. Let me just say this. Before I do this, before I start to read this, let, let go of everything. Let, let go of what you know about David and Goliath and how many times you've read it and how many, like you can see all the pictures in the book and, and, and understand that this is a real actual story that took place. 
See, it's hard for us to be convinced of that because those things don't tend to happen in our world as often, but that's because we have so many other distractions and so many other things. These men had one thing and one thing alone to rely on. And because they were so clear and so pure, I believe that's why we saw so many more ridiculously amazing, miraculous works take place. I believe it's where we're being called back to. That's why there's holiness. I believe we're gonna start to see some incredible, amazing things. But if you wanna really compare, and I I don't mean this in any way, shape, or form. I could use Benjamin. I could use Jonathan. I could use Samuel. I could use Michael Monica. Think of these guys, these big guys, and then think about a Frank. That, that's where we're at. Like real life, size difference, what we're talking about. And think about this from the reality that this took place. Not that this is a Bible story. Good. All right, let's read one more verse. I'll talk for 30 minutes. We'll jump into verse three. 20 said, so David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper and took the things, uh, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in a battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, of Gath Goliath by, by name, came up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid." So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. 26 says, then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the manner, in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now, Eliab, the oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the, in, the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Any time that Yahweh calls you somewhere and his presence is on you, Jealousy will surround that whole situation. Be prepared for that. If you're ever called into a situation that you're about to manifest the glory of Yahweh, you're about to show forth those that aren't completely whole. Remember, we're all walking through our own walk. Those who don't have wholeness in their heart, jealousy comes out immediately. And this is what we're seeing with his brothers. Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. 
for you are a youth and he was being set up for this moment since he was a youth. Are we there? Are we on the battlefield? Yes, we are. Um, So 34 said, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Think about Saul right now. Here's this little kid, this little chump coming up trying to say he killed a bear and a lion and now he's ready to fight Goliath. Sounds ridiculous. And I think at this moment he's realizing at least somebody's going to go up against him. So whatever. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. But think about what David's doing. David is literally recounting in his mind how faithful his God is and how he's been there through every single trial, circumstance, situation. He's not worried about the enemy he's up against. He just knows the goodness of the Lord. So he steps in, he says in 38, it says, so, call, so Saul Uh, So Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head and he also clothed him in a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag and a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. All things that would be used in this fight. All things that were right for this kind of hand-to-hand combat. That's what you would have. That makes sense. That checks off. If you were going to fight like would have been a custom in the, in, back in the day when you had these two armies come together and they did not want to come out and kill everybody else, they, they decided, let's, let's, what we can do is we can get my best and your best. They can fight. And the worst that's going to happen is our man dies. You take our land, but we still have our army to build back up and come challenge you again. So we save the bloodshed. We save some of our pride and we just move on. Go, go about our lives. So what they would say, Saul would be like, we, no, that, that means no one else would fight. No one would do it. 
because David was what they were putting out as their best hand. And they gave him, equipped him with all the things that he would need to go out there and win it. Do you realize how ridiculously stupid David sounded when he said this? It checked, everybody's sitting there looking at him going, oh, well, this is embarrassing. This is kind of sad to see. This little ruddy, good-looking young man is about to get destroyed. He's not even going out there with any armor. At least it could be some kind of fight. He could dodge and get out of the way and maybe just get cut up a little bit and we could just kind of go about. No, he goes out there with nothing. You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. He didn't have in his hands the weaponry to take his head from him. He had stones. I, I feel it. I feel it. This is a story to you. This young boy had stones. Now, Yahweh is going to utilize David's life to bring about the existence of Yeshua from his lineage. What's about to take place is a memorial stone being built in David's life. It's why you and I are sitting here reading about this to be once again convinced of the faithfulness of Yahweh. This is a moment in time that is more history than any kind of history we read in history class. This is the history. This is why we gather in this building. This is the truth. This is not a kid's story. It's vital. <laughs> This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth and that all the earth, listen to this, this is why, not for my glory, all of the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Do you see the purpose? Not so I'm right. This, this whole thing right here is not so I'm right and I'm, I proved all you doubters wrong. Bunch of haters, look. No, that's not what he's doing. He said, so that you will be convinced that there is a God in Israel. When do we enter into situations and look at trials to say, I'm going in this unequipped from the world standards, but at the end of this is gonna be glory because it's for his purpose I came to this hour. How many times? We're so introspective, we can't ever see anything around us. It's all about the things we're walking for, and we're too busy praying for something in order to pray into something. We're never looking at his heart and his will and convinced that he surely will come through in every single situation, so we equip ourselves with swords. I'm not mad, I'm just hyped. And I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the other people. None of y'all deal with this. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save. Listen, 47 says this. Then all of this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear. For the battle is whose? For the battle is whose? 
Who does this day belong to? Who does this fight belong to? Let me give you the answer so you can say this and like on podcasts you can hear you, you know, that's what it's all about, right? (laughs) A good podcast response? No. The Lord's. Who does this day belong to? Whose battle are we fighting right now, trying to fight right now? The Lord's. We're trying. (laughs) We have tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. And this is what Yahweh said to me. And as I'm reading this, I'm laughing. I'm sitting there going, Yahweh, like, I know this story. I do. He's, it's awesome. It's really cool. I'm not trying to belittle it. I'm not trying to say, and I just feel Yahweh sitting there just like, Go ahead, go, yep, you know, uh uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got it, you got it. It's right, it's right, it's right. It's good, it's good, it's cute. Now if you'll shut up for just a second, I just want to tell you one thing. I never let David get within range. That's all he wanted to say to me. I never let David get within range. When David showed up to that battlefield, he did not know anything about Goliath. He hadn't studied him. He wasn't running from him. He didn't know his stats. He didn't know how tall he was. He knew one thing. You've defiled Yahweh and his people. And I feel Yahweh calling me here. So that's how I feel like a lot of people justify their Christians, justify their sword in their battlefields by saying, Yahweh, we're called to do this. We're called to take over. Yes, but Yahweh does not fight with a sword and a spear. In every response to every single trial that we should come come in contact with, every time we fight, every time we come against anything, every time we do any kind of trial response in our life, it should be so dripping with creativity and uniqueness of the kingdom that no one could do anything except the Lord is right there. Yahweh is all over that thing. Without any testimony, there's no glory. This is impossible. There's no way that that little guy right there could go up against that monster right there and see that kind of victory. Impossible. But if we're willing, see, you hear in this day, spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. That's the term that they use. That's a term Christians, once again, throwing these guys up here, that Christians in today's day and age use to justify their battlefield. And we get in there and we start going to -to hand-to-hand combat. We think we need to go fight something and we're in turmoil and we're in strife and we're stressing out and it's so difficult and we're trying to fight against something we were meant to rest in. We're, if, we, if we know, the natural world will tell you if you're going against an enemy, know all the stats. The spiritual kind of warfare looks like this. Know the one who sent you. The end. Know his heart. Know his will. Period. Know his name. Know his nature. So what is it about sitting in a room and talking about how good Yahweh is and how faithful Yahweh is? Doesn't that get old? Isn't it time to start getting to work and doing the work of the kingdom? Let's start shackalacking some things into existence. Let's start casting out devils. Let's start doing some of this stuff. Okay, that, that's what we're doing. Understand the weapons of the kingdom are not a sword and a spear. <laughs> 
It's rest and peace and joy. It says that it's the praise of God. It's praising Yahweh that is actually a weapon of warfare in the Bible. Prayer. You were never meant to get within range of this enemy that we're facing. See, the problem is, is that we're not, we think that there is this big battle in the earth because this is what everybody wants to say. There's this massive battle going on in the earth against God and Satan. That there's this, this fight. God has his good soldiers out here sending us as soldiers to war against this enemy that's in the earth called COVID, called politics, called this, called that, called whatever you want to say. This day is worse than that day. You can't make it through this. We have got to fight as good soldiers to make this thing come to pass. And I'm going to tell you something. It's laughable to, convict, to, to compare God to Satan. That's not, we're not fighting in the same stratosphere at all. Yahweh, creator of everything, is not worried about Satan and these little enemies out here that we sit here and try to fight with hand-to-hand combat. He's also not worried about our time and our struggle and all that. He cares, but he's not going to make something happen because we are resisting his will. We need to stop assuming his will and start leaning into what he's saying about this time. Otherwise, we're going to be fighting with a sword and a spear, and there's no testimony. There's maybe some luck involved, but there's never any glory unto Yahweh. Does that make sense to you? So we need to, this is the reason for holiness. This is why this is such my message, is because we need to stop assuming the word of Yahweh, stop assuming we know his will, stop assuming that it's bigger than what we could ever imagine in our own natural side, and we get some little glimpse of it, and we put all of our eggs into that one basket because we heard one little word, and that's it. And not just leaning into his presence and letting him teach and show us, like, you don't need that sword. And I don't need soldiers to bring about my will. I need sons. Because the earth is not groaning and travailing, standing on tiptoe, waiting for good soldiers to be revealed. Big fighter prayer warriors to be revealed. No, it's sons. Sons that manifest the glory of Yahweh through every single circumstance. So like when people see you and they're trying to talk to you about this, that, and the other, they're trying to get you involved in their will and their fight and what Yahweh wants, you know that's not his will because I've been seated in the presence of Yahweh. He's teaching me daily. I've separated myself from that and the battle is the Lord. So I'm leaving that thing alone. There's no reason for me to enter into that battlefield. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity 
to the obedience of Christ. I love how this talks about our weapons of warfare not being carnal. At the end, it finishes up with just talking about the mind, the knowledge. It has nothing to do with a fight. He's talking about the war that's going on in between our ears daily, not being convinced of Yahweh. He needs to come in here, pull down the hidden places that are in our heart that have caused us to not be completely whole so that we're not good foot soldiers, but we're actual sons. Sure is. It sure, sure is. I'm going to finish this up in about an hour and a half, so just sit tight. Just kidding. Let's go to uh, Matthew 26. Chapter 26, starting in verse 48. Before I go there, I, there's, we, our lives are supposed, remember last week when I said, do we carry the good news? Are we really convinced that we carry, do we really carry his goodness, his joy, his peace, his righteousness, all of those things that were given to us? Do we really allow ourselves to carry those things? Can we do an assessment of ourselves and get real practical and say like, yes, that's exactly what I carry? Or do I have too much of me in the lack of clarity in the way? Because it should always be a testimony. These things, it's about the glory of Yahweh covering the earth as the waters cover the seas. He's always going to give us something that seems so completely, it's not good insight, it's not good ideas, it's miraculous, supernatural things that testify of, a, of heaven. <laughs> There's a story, uh, the story of of Elisha, and I can't remember the army that they're going against at the time, but anyways, it's a, it's a very vile army that have just destroyed them, constantly coming against the Israelites, and they're in this situation where they're at a standoff, and the, 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 the army coming against them is so great and so big that they overpower Israel by numbers. There's nothing that they can do, and Elisha goes in, and he says, Yahweh, blind these men. And supernaturally, all of these men go blind and Elisha leads them into the gates and they surround them, take away everything. And by the time that, ya- that Elisha says, all right, wake up, I want, it, I, I want them to see, they come up and they're prisoners of war. They've got them, completely outnumbered or completely surrounded, nothing that they can do. They don't have weapons, they're done. Super cool. And Elisha does this. Elisha goes, now, now Lord, can I kill them? Can, can I go ahead and kill these guys? Because they are bad. We are good. Justice, heads roll. Let's do it. And Yahweh says, no, I want you to feed them. <laughs> Not assumed will of Yahweh. We captured them, now we kill them. 
No, because if you kill them, the remnants that have escaped, the remnants that are there are just going to build back up and come back after you. Yahweh gives you another new perspective, shifts the thinking for those that are actually leaning into his voice and not acting unless he speaks it into existence. And he says, I want you to feed them. So they throw this big feast for these, this enemy, send them on their way, and they never return to Israel. There's accounts that that army historically has never come back to the the gates of Israel, never been an issue ever since because Yahweh's word. The difference between our assumption and Yahweh's word, the difference between doing life with Holy Spirit and without Holy Spirit. In the day of Nehemiah, Nehemiah did something in 52 days that they couldn't do for years in rebuilding the walls. You know what Nehemiah's name is? It means comfort. He was a representation of Holy Spirit in a situation. That which was impossible became possible in a moment. It's the difference in every way that we approach our situations. It should, like I said, it should be so clothed, so full of supernatural manifestation. Every way we look at something should not make, it really should not make sense. We should stop looking for things to check off and check our boxes and start to say, this is heaven. I'm called to bring heaven into earth, into the earth. And if it looks like the same way everybody else is fighting, it's not the right thing. That's a good word. Amen. Hallelujah. 52. 48. Sounds like I'm calling football terms. It's uh, 2648. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. We know we're talking about Judas. Because Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. So if we choose to do the fight by ourselves, you wonder why so many people are just giving up, losing faith, quitting done because they chose to fight by the sword they also are going to learn that they're going to die by the sword we've got to put down old weapons and start to take up his will so he says or do you think that i cannot now pray to my father listen to this this is how ridiculous it is to compare this thing as a fight to really worry that much about what's going on in our planet right now because he says this Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? He is the commander of angel armies. And I'm not just talking about this world and the the nation and and where we're at, that's a big one because it seems to be so prevalent in our day. It's something that's constantly right here in our face and I feel like believers are constantly fighting a battle they're not meant to fight and I feel like it's such been such a call of this house to move away from that. These are the roaring 20s. That was his word over us. Not the day of the slinging sword. (laughs) 
but I'm talking about any situation that we come into. Nothing too small. Seek first the word of Yahweh. And understand that trials are there because of the word. You, you remember the analogy of the eagle, how an eagle starts to teach its young how to fly? He, he, what they do is they, the, the mother goes in and starts to have this nice, uh, like, feathery nest, but underneath is a bunch of thorns, super high up in a tree. And what happens is the mother comes in as the, as the little birds get older, starts to pull a feather here, pull a feather there, and all of a sudden, what used to be super comfortable in life to them starts to get super uncomfortable and starts poking them and starts to make them feel bad to where they get up on the edge. Now, here's the great thing about the eagles is that the father is circling. He's never going to let them fall. He's circling, watching to make sure that they learn how to fly. It gets to the place that they can't hold on and they fall off. As they're falling, either they're going to fly or the father is going to catch them and bring them right back up to the nest. What a beautiful depiction of how good Yahweh is. Yes, there's trials. Yes, we're going to mess up. Yes, we might not get our wings going this first time, but he is in his goodness is always going to be there to catch us and put us back in a place, not to make us comfortable again, but to put us back in a place to get another chance to fly. In his mercy, in his goodness, he always does this. Yeshua says to Pilate when he's captured, he's, he's talking to him, Pilate's trying to get him to say the same thing basically that's going on in this story. He's saying, why don't you just, if you're this savior, if you're this big deal, like why aren't you just being, why are your people giving you to me? Why can't you just be delivered? And he says, my kingdom, the kingdom I come from is not from this world. This is not even what I'm looking at. You are. If that were the case, if my kingdom was from this world, all that follow me would be fighting to free me. If my people weren't convinced that I'm from somewhere else and my kingdom comes from somewhere else, if they were convinced that this is all there was, they would be fighting to free me. But my kingdom doesn't come from this world. What are we doing right now? Constantly fighting because we're not convinced. We're constantly fighting because we're not convinced. We didn't enter the battlefield with the word of the Lord. We're not going to come out of the battlefield with the word of the Lord. We go in before him, get his presence, get who he is, his goodness being so established in our heart that no matter what trial, no matter what situation I come up to, I can be convinced that the end of it is glory. There might be a little bit of ripping and tearing. It might not feel the greatest, but I know I'm convinced of his word and I'll continue to step right into that. Amen? Hmm. Not within range. Seems simple, but that's a big one. It really is. Every time I feel myself getting a little bit within range of my situation, I take a step back. I separate. I get back into the holiness thing. It's the only answer. Let me read one more thing and we'll, we'll be out of here. This is the importance of this. Like I said before, we're so introspective, we tend to make everything about us. Every trial, we start to think about what we did wrong or what we want. 
and what we need. And that's what causes and produces this idea that we need to step into what we call spiritual warfare and fight our way out of this. But this thing is never just about us. It's about his glory going from generation to generation and that this thing is built upon. And there's things that we need to do in our life. We need to be called who we are called to be and not be drawn back to an old day of the sword and fighting and everything else looking like it always has so that we are building upon what Yahweh built here and that those kiddos over there and in here and right here are gonna start to build up even more than we've gone. This comes from one of our founding fathers, John Adams. It's a great quote. You might know it, but it's powerful right here. He says, I must study politics and war that our sons may have liberty to study mathematics and philosophy. Our sons ought to study mathematics and philosophy, geography, natural history, and naval architecture, navigation, commerce, and agriculture in order to give their children a right to study painting, poetry, music, architecture, statuary, tapestry, and porcelain. Isn't that beautiful? No? Ben thought it was. It's good enough for me. It is, it is my day, my job, my heart to lay down this fighting sword and to enter into the presence. The presence being completely enough in every single situation. Don't let that word become cliche. Let that word become life. There is not other options. There is not, you can do this or you can do this. As believers, there's one option. The presence of the Lord. Period. We get in trouble because we give ourselves too many options. Well, if this doesn't work out, I still got a sword over here. I still got a javelin and a spear. If I just need to, you know, toss one every once in a while, it's fine. Just touch over there. No, one, one, one thought process is Yahweh's will, not mine. For this hour, I came here. This is my purpose. This is why I'm here. Asher is sitting there. June is sitting there because, not because, oh man, we, bore, we, we had them. I can't stand seeing people say, oh, I did not birth my kids into the world, the America I thought we would be in. Well, good, it wasn't your job anyways. He didn't, you didn't know them before they were here. He did, he sent them here. Stop making yourself such a big deal and start to understand that he's the one that orchestrates all of these things. And the reason that they are here today is because June, you were designed for this day. You're everything, you're perfect, exactly who you were supposed to be right now. And mommy and daddy brought you into this world because Yahweh gave them the grace to raise you to be exactly who you needed to be. And that is the truth of the kingdom. This thing has got to go from generation to generation, from glory to glory. And it's only gonna take place if we're more convinced of his goodness and that this thing is getting better and stop looking at the world saying this thing is getting worse. That is the truth that is life, and you just watch what kind of fruit starts to grow when we lean into that. Amen? Y'all stand with me. Abba, we thank you. We worship you. We just honor you today for this amazing, amazing, amazing truth that you're putting into our existence. We don't take it lightly. We don't take these things as simple Bible stories, stories, but we take them as life, as truth, as promises, and we continually, as a tribe, set you before us. We continually set the one thing before us. We continually set the 
the only answer before us, the only option we have. We, can, we continue to declare ourselves to be believers, that we're coming in to covenant relationship with you and your word. Let us be a vessel of your glory here on the earth. Let us see strategic beauty, strategic glory. Show us how to bring that stuff, that creativity. Help us to see situations and trials that we go through from your eyes and not our own. Give us a new perspective, a fresh wind and a fresh fire. Let it come upon this people so that we're able to bring heaven to earth. Keep our hearts completely whole. Help us to see those those strongholds, those hidden places that we didn't even know were there. Allow those trials to reveal those things so that we can get them dealt with and you bring us into complete wholeness. Give us a heart and a desire to walk this life out with you, to process with you, to not have to see the fruit tomorrow or the next day or the next day, but not a timetable, just a promise. We just want the promise to come. We want the promise to be on your timing and the walk to just be a beautiful rest peace-filled walk with you in the garden, Father. Give that to this people. I call that upon this people. I call us into rest, into peace, into a joy-filled expectation for good, into the waiting, into the whirling in the dance, and the standing on tiptoe, and the binding us together. Let us be bound together in different ways that we have never been before. Let us learn to just walk together as this, this tribe nature starts to take root in this place. Let that thing to start to expand. We bless the people that aren't here today but are a part of this tribe we ask you to bring them home in safety and 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 Yahweh I just thank you for every person that was able that you called to be in this place we don't think that that's some happenstance we know they were here for a purpose so let this word penetrate their heart and become good good seed planted into great great soil we declare this in the nature in the name of Yeshua the Christ amen Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.